Welcome to the Ogletree Deacons Podcast, a brief discussion of compelling legal issues and practical insights. Please note that the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be, nor should it be construed as legal advice. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. Please enjoy the program. Welcome to our podcast focusing on the overlapping complexities of U.S. immigration and the dynamic world of the life sciences industry. The life sciences industry, comprising of biotechnology, pharmaceuticals, and medical research, only to name a few, is at the forefront of innovation with talent from around the world contributing to groundbreaking discoveries. However, navigating the U.S. immigration system within this sector and ensuring talent retention and competitiveness can be quite challenging. Today, we will cover some of the visa classifications that are uniquely suited to professionals and employers in the life sciences industry. I'm your host, Amanda Goodman, with the Immigration Practice Group of Ogletree Deacons, and joining me is my esteemed colleague, Gita Shah, also of counsel with the Ogletree Deacons Immigration Practice Group. Together, we'll explore some of the visa options available to individuals and employers in this uniquely situated field. Thanks, Amanda. It's a pleasure to be here. In immigration, we often hear of sponsorship for tech companies, startups, and in the semiconductor industry. But the life science industry is also a hotbed of innovation, with talent from around the world contributing to groundbreaking discoveries. Navigating the U.S. immigration system within the sector can be quite challenging because it is not as well known or common as in other industries. Absolutely. And like the life sciences industry, um, we here on the immigration side are also data-driven. And did you know that immigrants make up roughly one-fourth of all STEM workers in the United States? And specific to the life and physical sciences field, more than 30% of the U.S. workforce is foreign-born. Amanda, that is an impressive share of the workforce and growing due to the emphasis placed on STEM retention and U.S. job market competitiveness. The Biden-Harris administration recognized the need for STEM talent in the U.S. and to retain it, sparking the launch of the 2022 STEM initiatives, focusing on actions to attract STEM talent and strengthen the U.S. economy and competitiveness. This recognition to attract the STEM talent, including those in life sciences fields, provided some clarifying guidance on immigration sponsorship options for for individuals in those industries. The H-1B is the most common visa category in the U.S., so let's talk about how this applies in the life sciences industry. Yeah, and it's a timely topic as well. The historically low selection rate of the H-1B work visa perpetuates a further shortage of available work authorization, despite the increasing importance of foreign workers in the life sciences and STEM occupations at large. Traditionally, the reliance on H-1B work visas to employ top researchers, scientists, professors, laboratory specialists, postdoctoral researchers, fellows, um, has become increasingly difficult. The congressionally mandated quota or cap on H-1B visas available each year does not meet with the current demand. And that is an entire segment for another day. However, There is a unique option frequently available in the life sciences industry to circumvent the H-1B cap. Gita, could you walk us through the criteria for cap exemption, which offers a unique option to avoid the H-1B quota? Yes, of course. The H-1B visa is designed for foreign nationals who work in specialty occupations that require theoretical or technical expertise. 
Within the life sciences industry, positions such as research scientists, biostatistician, and clinical research associates often qualify if the role is offered with what is called a CAP-exempt employer. CAP-exempt just means those sponsoring positions are not subject to the CAP and do not have to go through the lottery. This applies to institutions of higher education, i.e. universities and colleges, nonprofit organizations associated with higher educational institutions, i.e. entities that are affiliated with medical labs, hospitals, and research units, and of course, nonprofit research or government organizations primarily engaged in research. For example, a research fellow who works for a for-profit entity associated with a university could qualify for a CAP-exempt H-1B visa. If you're not sure if this is an option for you, it's always good to explore. The neat thing about the H-1B CAP-exempt status is that if an individual works for a CAP-exempt employer and was never subject to the H-1B lottery, they can still work for a for-profit entity that would otherwise be CAP-subject at the same time as they hold the CAP-exempt position. For example, it is possible for a foreign national to teach classes at a university part-time and then also work for a private employer. That's exactly right, and also extremely complex, um, but it does offer an avenue specific to the life sciences industry that is worth exploring and considering. And while the CAP exemption carve-out has uniquely integrated with the life sciences field, there are also many industry-leading employers that are for-profit entities, and they equally require experts who have earned and sustained key experience, reputation, and achievements in their field. And that dovetails nicely into the O-1 visa classification, which is for individuals with sustained extraordinary national or international acclaim and recognition for achievements in their field. Gita, how does this visa category apply to the life sciences? Well, the O-1 visa, like Amanda said, is for individuals with extraordinary ability or achievement. Um, it expands to sciences, arts, education, business, and even athletes. It is indeed a prestigious option for top-tier scientists, researchers, and executives in the life sciences industry. Extraordinary ability or achievement is demonstrated by sustained national or international acclaim, like major awards, including the Nobel Prize. For those of us who don't have the Nobel Prize, you can still demonstrate extraordinary ability or achievement in the context of life sciences by providing evidence of publications in prestigious journals, patents, other awards, participation in a panel, or by having judged the work of others in the field, citations, employment in a critical or essential capacity for an organization or establishment, and significant contributions that advancement of medical or biological research. This is a non-exhaustive list, but the idea is to show that some of these criteria are met. That's exactly right. Often graduates in the STEM fields do have critical achievements that lend themselves to what you have described, especially in the life sciences. They have rich profiles of publications, presentations, and broad academic contributions within and outside of their employment. There are also immigrant visa pathways for professionals of this nature that draw on similar credentials. The EB-1 employment-based first preference visa category offers two pathways for individuals with exceptional abilities in their fields. The EB-1A, for extraordinary ability, and the EB-1B for outstanding researchers or professors. This is an immigrant visa corollary to the O-1 visa, which Gita just discussed. The EB-1A requires applicants to demonstrate extraordinary ability through sustained national or international acclaim evidenced by publications, significant contributions, 
awards and other less objective criteria. Conversely, the EB1B is for outstanding researchers or professors who have garnered international recognition for their achievements. They must showcase at least three years of experience in teaching or research and a tenure track or tenured position. In the life sciences industry, these visa categories are highly relevant as they often attract top-tier researchers, scientists, and professors from around the world. And let's not forget about the National Interest Waiver. The National Interest Waiver has been around for some time, but it was sort of resurrected within the Biden-Harris administration STEM initiatives. In late 2022, the government clarified guidance on the National Interest Waiver specific to individuals in STEM fields. This guidance clarified that extensive documentation is not required for those with advanced degrees in STEM fields to qualify for a National Interest Waiver. In the life sciences, this would include individuals with master's or PhDs in critical health fields, such as infectious disease, cancer, neurological disorders, and the list goes on. It would also encompass those with advanced degrees in biology, genetics, chemistry, and all the other life science fields. For those without advanced degrees in life sciences, they're able to demonstrate their exceptional ability in the field with a plethora of documentation. Trends in this area include a growing recognition of the importance of immigrant contributions to scientific innovation and public health, leading to an increasing number of NIW approvals for individuals in the life science fields. That is absolutely right. The NIW visa category has been increasing in popularity specifically over the last 6 to 12 months. And those are great insights, Gita. The United States has several pathways for foreign nationals who hold certain advanced degrees and or research accolades and accomplishments. This is in recognition of the importance of STEM training and skills to the competitiveness of American life sciences companies and their ability to innovate. Before we wrap up, do you have any final tips for employers or individuals navigating U.S. immigration within the life sciences industry? Yes, it's essential for employers and individuals to stay informed about changes in immigration policy. Building a strong case with compelling evidence of qualifications and contributions is key in securing the appropriate visa or green card. Well said. The U.S. immigration landscape is incredibly complex and nuanced. Gita, thank you for joining me today as we explored some of the relevant U.S. immigration visa categories to the life sciences industry. Of course, and best of luck to all our listeners navigating the immigration journey in the life sciences industry. Thank you for joining us on the Ogletree Deacons podcast. You can subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. And remember, the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice.